He is worthy. Amen. You know, we know that he is, but it's great to be reminded. And the way that we show he is worthy is the way that we live our lives. And I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you go there, you can go to verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. All right, and I'll join you there in a minute. If you're using that Pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 1177 in the Pew Bible. 1177 in that Pew Bible right in front of you. If you're here today and you don't have a Bible, I would love for you to feel comfortable to take that Bible that's in the Pew, write your name in it, take it home with you, read it, and bring it back when you come, and it's yours. But just bring it and stay in it. But it's on page 1177 in the Pew Bible, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Let me start this morning with what I believe is a fairly straightforward comment. Most people do not understand the true story of Christmas. So let me give you three examples of what makes me come to that statement. Number one is the Christmas story competition. You know, there are many stories at Christmas. Just a peek at the most popular stories at Christmas. I might be getting ready to touch on somebody's family tradition here just a little bit, but uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, The Nutcracker, Charlie Brown Christmas, Elf, It's a Wonderful Life, Die Hard. It's become a Christmas, uh, Christmas tradition. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Twas the Night Before Christmas, Miracle on 34th Street, Home Alone, The Santa Claus, The Polar Express, The Little Drummer Boy, I know you watched this one, Christmas Vacation, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Jack Frost, A Christmas Story. Many tradition, traditions and families, they watch these. This is, these are stories at Christmas that have impacted how we think about Christmas and what we think about Christmas. So not only do people not know the true Christmas story because of story competition. The second thing is I've got one right here and you may have seen one or done one. There's the Christmas quiz. Now if you've been to a class social or a work social or something like that, perhaps they've handed you one which has been handed out in at least a couple of places I know in our church this week. It's a Christmas Quiz, it's to ask you questions, it's to ask Christians questions just to prove to them that they don't understand the Christmas story. It's, you've taken this quiz before, right? You're thinking, I can make this, and then all of a sudden they get you on some kind of technicality. So let me, like this question, right off the quiz right here. How many wise men came to see Jesus? Well, there's a multiple choice question here. The choices I saw given were one, two, three, and who knows? The average person says three. There's three wise men because the story includes three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But do you know that God's Word, which should be the author of everything that is the Christmas story, never tells us how many wise men come. But yet in Christmas quiz after Christmas quiz, in church people all around the world, we just go three and move on. Or this question. Joseph's family is from where? 
Jerusalem, Nazareth, Bethlehem, or none of the above. Most people choose Nazareth because that's where they lived. But they were from Bethlehem because that's where they had to return to because of the census to their hometown. And so we take these quizzes and all they end up doing is confusing us, maybe frustrating us, making we wonder whether we know it or not. A third example of why people don't understand fully or know the Christmas story is research. You know, I read this week in the Baptist and Reflector, we get this every couple of weeks in the church, and some of you get it as well, but uh, there was a headline in here called, Few Americans Can Tell the Christmas Story. Now, let me just give you just a quick thumbnail of this article. It says that while nearly 90% of Americans will celebrate, celebrate Christmas, and while 65% of Americans will say that Christmas should be more about Jesus, over 70% of those people will say that they cannot give you all of the details of the real Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. 22% of people said that they could accurately tell the Christmas story. 31% of people said that they could tell the story of Christmas, but would likely miss many details. I call this the gist people. They would get the gist of the story. You guys know that word, right? 25% of the people state that they could only give a quick overview of the Christmas story. And 17% of the people say that they could not tell even the first part of the Christmas story. So while the fictional stories of Christmas seem to multiply each and every year, the story of Jesus that has remained the same for centuries, as we keep counting, has not changed. The vast majority of people cannot tell or do not know the true Christmas story. Church, can we just agree with one another that Jesus and only Jesus is the story of Christmas. Amen? That's the story of Christmas. Everything that's come off of that has started there and gone woefully away from where we need to be. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verses 26 to 38 of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, picking up in verse 26, says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Thank you. You can be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to walk back through this portion of the Christmas story. You'll notice we didn't read it all. Don't forget, Friday night, we're going to come back together and we're going to read some more of the Christmas story, specifically in Luke chapter 2. So we are unfolding the story of Christmas as we meet through December. And I look forward to meeting with you on Friday. Look at verse 26. It says, in the sixth month. Now, this mention of the sixth month gives us a timing. This is the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth and Zacharias. Now, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They are due to have a baby. This baby was granted by God to be named John, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. If you'll recall, remember John, I mean, Zacharias was serving in the temple. We talked about that. And that was last week and talked about this. The angel Gabriel, verse 26, was sent by God to Nazareth. Note that he was sent. He was sent by God at a specific time to a specific place to a specific person. Note the time element. One of the things I've tried to encourage you as we've read through Christmas is don't miss out on the time markers in the Christmas story. Remember in Galatians 4, 4, it said, for in the fullness of the time came. God had always been planning this Christmas story, and now he was beginning to unfold it at an ever-increasing rate. Gabriel was sent, which tells you, where was Gabriel before that? You know what? Gabriel had, he knew what he was getting ready to do. And God was saying, not, not yet, Gabriel. Have you ever been excited about Christmas? You ever wanted to open something? I had a friend of mine. I'm not going to give you his name because he might get in trouble. But uh, when we were young, I would go to his house and visit. His parents both worked, and the tree was, had presents underneath it. And he was that kid who knew what was underneath the tree. And we would unwrap it, and we would play it, and then put it back in the box and wrap it back and then he would act surprised on Christmas. Can you imagine that? I don't even know why I told you that story now that I told you that story. But Gabriel was held back. That's what it was. Gabriel was held back. He was the good, you notice Gabriel, he's the angel that gets to do all the good stuff. Right? He got to see Zacharias. He's talking to Joseph. He's getting to talk to Mary. Gabriel's going, dude, I got a great job. The Lord always says, remember what he told Zacharias? He said, I'm the one who God sent to send you this good news. Gabriel's the good news angel. And I bet he was having to be held back. God said, Gabriel, not yet. Gabriel, not yet. And then God said, looked at him one day and he goes, okay, go ahead. And Gabriel went and, and, and told this, what was going on to Mary. Verse 27 says that he came to a virgin named Mary. Mary, a teenager, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a virgin. Scripture shares so many specific details about Mary. God knew Mary. He knew everything about her. He knew everything that she had done, every place that she had been. She knew what her, he knew what her dreams were, what her plans were. He knew everything. 
and he had his own set of purposes and plans for her. I want to remind you just in this moment that Mary was not the last person that God had a purpose and a plan for. In this moment, God has a purpose and a plan for you. You, if you're on the phone, you, if you're on Facebook, you, if you're on YouTube, you, if you're in the balcony, and you, if you're in the floor, because everybody up here left me. <laughs> but God has a purpose and a plan for you. He knows you. Church, don't miss this. He knows you. And he has a purpose and a plan for you. So verse 28 says that the angel arrived and notice his first word to her. Rejoice. Now, we don't rejoice enough. I looked it up. Defined, the word rejoice means to feel great joy or great delight. Now, I can tell you that when I came in yesterday morning, we got here, I was, I was in the church parking lot about, I don't know, 6.05 yesterday morning. It was dark, it was gray, and it was raining. And we were getting ready to give away food up until about 1 p.m. that day. And I've been reading and studying, and, and I knew about rejoicing. I knew what I was going to be preaching on, and I said, Lord, help me to rejoice. Whether we get to give out food in the sunshine, help me to rejoice. If it's just cloudy and overcast, help me to rejoice. If it is coming down, cats and dogs, help us to rejoice as we give away this food. We must rejoice. And do you know that during the day, I, I stood in the parking lot. It rained, sprinkled some. Sun came out one time, I thought I was gonna need some sunscreen. And then about 20 minutes later, it was cat and dogging. I mean, it was coming down. I had my umbrella over me and the rain and the wind were blowing my umbrella away while I was trying to work with people. Rejoice. God says rejoice. Rejoice means to feel great joy or great delight. What he's saying by beginning with the word rejoice is that everything I'm about to tell you, Mary, is worthy of rejoicing. That it's going to bring you great joy, that it's going to be a delight to you, so go ahead and just begin to rejoice. Do you know as a Christian, Mary was told to rejoice before she was even told what was going to happen. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to get up every day that we know him and rejoice before we even know what's gonna happen. Church, there is a spiritual truth right there that if that's all you get today, it'll change how you see God. Rejoice. That's what God wants us to do every day, just rejoice. Rejoice. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18 say this. Rejoice always. That's chapter 6. It's verse 16. Pray without ceasing. That's verse 17. Verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice. Now, I don't know what you're facing right this second. And it might be hard to rejoice in the face of it. But I can tell you that God is calling us, regardless of circumstances, before we know what's going to happen, he's calling us to 
rejoice. Amen? To rejoice. As a Christ follower, we should rejoice and be thankful in everything. Are you willing to rejoice? Let me, let me, I need to make sure we hear this question. Are you willing to rejoice? Because here's the one thing. You are able to rejoice. You are able to rejoice. This is not something you have to be taught. You know how to rejoice. What I'm asking you, what I believe Scripture is challenging us with is, are you willing to rejoice? Before you know what God is going to say, and are you willing to rejoice regardless of the circumstances that you're in? Whew. Church, can I tell you, that's truth right there. And the thing about it is, I'm, I tell you this all the time. I mean, I'm prepared. I got notes. I've studied. I've been spending all week with this. But God just, he just taught me something. He just taught me something, and I, I pray that you'll let him teach you something. This is the great truth of the Christmas story. God knows us. God came to us in the form of his son. God has a purpose for us, and so therefore we can rejoice. And since it's part of God's plan, and God is good, what God's plans are, are good for you. I don't care what they are. What God's plans are for you. What you walk in, what you walk through. God can make something good out of it. One day, and I know you've been here before, one day you're going to look back at a situation that was going on in your life. One that at the moment you were going through it, you weren't rejoicing. But you're going to look back and you're going to go, oh, I understand it now. We're going to rejoice in hindsight. All I want to encourage you to do at this Christmas time, let's just trust God enough to not be hindsight rejoicers. Let's just go ahead and be foresight rejoicers, and let's just rejoicing beforehand so we can trust Him and walk through it much better than we would have before. Verse 28, he says, rejoice, and then he goes, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Note that. God is with you. Highly favored one. That phrase caught my attention. So I went and did some scriptural study. And let me just show you another place where it is. Just write this down if you're a note taker. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 to 23. Just let me read those to you. Here we go. Now, while I was speaking, this is Daniel, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, there he is again, good news Gabriel showing up again, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused, church, don't miss that word, caused. That falls under, like, sent. Okay, he was caused to fly swiftly. God said, Gabriel, you got to get there. I got something to tell Daniel, and you need to hurry. About the time of the evening offering, and he, the angel, Gabriel, informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. God 
sent good news Gabriel to Daniel hundreds of years before the time of Jesus. And he said, let me tell you the good news. You are greatly loved by God. That's what Gabriel's telling Mary. He said, Mary, God is with you. You are highly favored. God dearly loves you. Church, that's the Christmas story. Do you know that right now we could all, we could break into little groups, we could testify, we could do all of these things about how we know that God loves us. And we'd amen together and we'll applaud together and we'll hug each other. And then we're gonna walk out this door and then we're gonna walk into a world where most do not know that God dearly loves them. And at Christmas, we get a chance to go and tell them. That's why it's important that we know the story so that we can go and tell them. Verse 29. I'm back in Luke chapter 1. She, Mary, considered what manner of greeting this was. Mary is seeking to take all of this in. It's all sort of happened in a hurry in her life. And church, can I tell you that this is a really big deal? I mean, this is, this is that moment in Mary's life. And in verse 30, Gabriel says what Gabriel has said to people before and probably since. Don't be afraid. Now, we talked about this a little bit in my Sunday school class. Let me just give you a perspective that we came up with. You know, he told Zacharias, don't be afraid. When we read Luke chapter 2, the angel tells the shepherds, don't be afraid. Tells Mary, don't be afraid. You see, God is revealing the Christmas story, which God is revealing his glory to the world. And it's not that they're afraid like that's a ghost. It's not that they're afraid like that's a spider. They are afraid because they are beginning to sense and see the glory of God being revealed. Think of it like Isaiah. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. God gives him a vision into the throne room of God. The angels flying and chanting and praising God continually up there. And Isaiah, when he saw all this, he fell to his face and he said, Woe unto me, for I am undone. Don't be afraid. God is going to reveal himself. Church, don't be afraid of what God wants to do. Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. He says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. And so Gabriel in verses 31 through 35 tells what's going to happen to me. He tells it in 31 and he tells it again in verse 35. So I've sort of built a bridge between the two. Verse 31, he says, you will conceive, verse 35, by the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, he says, you will have a son. Verse 35, he will be the son of God. Verse 31, you will call him Jesus. Verse 35, he is the Holy One. Now, while it happened at a different time, God sent Gabriel to Joseph. Remember, we talked about that. It's probably been a couple of weeks ago we talked about that. And he, Gabriel, told him, Joseph, 
that he was going to have a son, that he would become one who would forgive the people of their sins. God is revealing his glory, God's revelation, God's plans for you, God's purposes. They'll all fit together. Did you notice that Gabriel, Gabriel went to Mary and started telling her all this story that was going to happen? Gabriel went to Joseph and gave him the side of the story he needed to know. And when they all came together, I bet it went something like this. You see, back in October of 2010, God placed a call on my life. He revealed himself to me, and I heard him say, it is time for you to be full-time in the ministry. I remember that day. It will change your life forever. You see, when you start realizing and seeing the glory of God, it'll change you. If people say they have seen the glory of God, but their life is not different, they have not seen the glory of God. But I remember just being floored by God and then I said, I gotta go tell my wife. This is the point in the service where if I'm going to cry, it's getting ready to happen, okay? She was at home, so I go home. God had just revealed himself to me, just told me what he wanted me to do. And I go home, and I find Angela, and I walk into the room, and I'm about as emotional as I am right now. I said, Angela, I gotta tell you something. And she turned to me with tears running down her face, and she said, I already know. God does not create half stories, church. Mary, this is going to happen. Joseph, this is going to happen. I'm going to reveal the glory of God through my son. It's okay. Come together. Make this happen. Get going. He told them both. Mary said, how's this going to happen? Now, I don't know. See, she, she hasn't yet heard from Zacharias and Elizabeth. You know, Zacharias, he got in trouble when he asked God a question. Remember that? He said, God, that's not going to happen. I'm an old man. And Gabriel said, well, old man, you're not going to talk for the next nine months until this baby's born too. <laughs> right? That's what happened. So Mary, we know something about Mary here because she says, how's this going to happen? I'm not yet a married woman. And God did not do anything but answer her. What that tells you is that Zacharias's heart had doubt in it. And Mary's just going, God, I'm with you, but how are we going to see this happen? God's teaching me something right now. And it, do you remember I talked about rejoicing earlier? He, the angel told Mary, rejoice before you even know what's going on. Do you know why Mary's able to take this? Because she trusted God and rejoiced. And then when God told her what's going on, it didn't go, oh, no. She said, okay. How? Church, there's a truth right there. If you will but rejoice. I've probably made that point already. I'm going to make it again. If you will but rejoice without knowing, when it's revealed, you'll be ready for it. You'll be ready. Whatever it is, you'll be ready. 
She said, how's this gonna happen? And the angel said, for with God, nothing is impossible. Now that's an important statement. We pull that out all the time. With God, everything is possible. How can this happen? Well, with God, everything is possible. We need to understand for with God, but this is with God's plan, with God's revelation, with God's son, with God's purpose, everything is possible. I go back over 11 years ago now, and somebody said, that boy, he'll never be a pastor. And let me tell you what, I am what I am because God brought it about. You are who you is because God wants to bring it about, okay? Let me show you this verse in Jeremiah chapter 32, talking about how everything was possible with God. Jeremiah 32, 17, if you want to really find a good verse, just write that down in your notes someplace. It says here, Jeremiah saying back to God, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. If we will rejoice and trust God, and he says, here's what's going to happen, Mary goes, cool, how's that going to happen? And the angel said, don't you worry, because with God and his purpose and his plans, if you'll just yield to it, if you'll just rejoice, God will make it all happen. Now, let's get this one final point. Mary faced the impossible. We could talk about her age. We could talk about her upbringing. upbringing. We could talk about the culture. We could talk about what all she's getting ready to face. We could talk about what Joseph is going to respond. We could talk about all these things. And Mary is facing an impossible task. The angel already said that, except for God, this is impossible. And she answered God. Now, let me set the stage for her answer. She answered God the only way that was right. She answered God the only way that makes sense if you're going to trust God. She answered God the only way a person of real faith could answer. She answered the only way that we should answer when God takes the time to speak to us. Look at in verse 38 what she said. Let it be to me according to your word. In the light of God revealing his plans, Mary said this. I won't whatever you want for me. That's a good place to be. Jesus in the garden. Father, is there any other way? Drops of blood, grieving. Father, is there any other way? But he said, not my will, but yours. Do you want to be where God wants you to be? Mary said, Lord, I may not understand it, but I trust you. Lord, it's going to be hard, but I trust you. 
I trust that you are going to be good to me. Another truth of Christmas, God was good to us in giving us his son. God will always be good to us. Therefore, we can rejoice. Church, Christmas is about God revealing his great love to us through his son, Jesus. Christmas is about God bringing the impossible into reality. Christmas is the hope that we can have in any situation because of Jesus. What's your response to God this Christmas? I pray that it will be something similar to Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, church, that's a story that I can go shout and tell people about in this world. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, on Friday night at 5 p.m. in this room, we're going to be gathering for Christmas Eve. We're going to read Scripture. And in that Scripture, the Holy One is going to be born. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. If there are people in your life, people in your family, people in your work environment that need to hear more about the real Christmas story, invite them. Bring them with you. Because God will begin to move in their hearts as he's desiring to move in yours and as he wants to move in all people's lives because of Jesus. Amen?